1: In today's show, we're continuing my great conversation that I had with Betsy Banks-Stahl, co-founder of PetFinder, as well as co-founder of The Heal Veterinary Practice. We had such a fantastic conversation. I just could not stop the interview and extended the show into a second part. In this part of the show, we talk more about her her current work, her current efforts, and we do continue our conversation about health and wellness with folks that work in animal welfare and some of her concerns going forward. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. It was just an incredibly thoughtful afternoon, and I sincerely want to thank Betsy for extending her time and enabling us to really dive deep in some of these topics. Thanks again for tuning into the show and enjoy part two with Betsy. Thanks, Saul. Take care. I would like to find out more about your new initiative, or maybe it's not so new, but it's newer than Pet Finder, which is Heal. Um, And it's a house call veterinary franchise. Do you want to share a little bit with us today? Sure. I mentioned
0: earlier that I became more and more frustrated with the fact that my vets, by and large, didn't seem deliriously happy. And as someone who always assumed that I would grow up and be a veterinarian, And then, you know, life takes you on different courses, (laughs) which you know about, (laughs) but um, that didn't seem like I was, you know, it didn't seem like my old weird hound dog Jim, or I stood a chance of getting the kind of attention that we needed, given that he didn't have what everybody else had. He had weird things. I needed a vet who had the time to, you know, solve problems with me. And what I experienced was something very different. I experienced vets who were frustrated by not having the time, you know, it's not that they don't want to spend the time with you. It's just that they had four appointments stacked up at the same time in their clinic, and he had panic attacks when we went in, and so there was a point which uh, they were about to put him on blood pressure medicine, which could have been devastating, you know, until I said, you know what, he, he, this is not him, this is a panic attack. And they're like, well, dogs don't really get panic attacks. And I put my foot down and I said, you know, have one of your techs come to my house and take the blood pressure at home. And they did. And sure enough, Jim didn't have high blood pressure, he was having panic attacks when he'd go to the vet. And more and more kinds of things like that, I, I became more and more frustrated. And then that, New York Times article came out a few years ago. I don't know if you remember that said that vets didn't want to be in practice for themselves. And I got to thinking about how hard it is to be creative when you're stressed. You know, if you're stressed out and if you're overworked, if you're working, you know, long shifts back to back like they are in the ER hospitals, if you only had one weekend day off in the last month, which is what we hear from a lot of vets we work with, and if you don't know how you're going to pay off your debt because vet school is so expensive, how can we expect those folks to bring their best creative self to problem solving? And, you know, you need open mind space. You know, there is a certain amount of openness. You have to be to be a great problem solver, I believe. So I started thinking about like, how could we change the trajectory of veterinary medicine in the United States when it seems destined to follow human dentistry and human medicine? Uh, You know, it's on all the same tracks to cure its problems all the same ways that they have in people services. And we are not so happy with the people services. (laughs) So, so So we wanted to develop something that was sort of like elite, but not elitist. And I realized that with a house call veterinarian, you know, which I started using after Jim had that experience with his blood pressure, um, you know, I'm watching my house call veterinarians, you know, specifically a cold laser vet who is Erin O'Leary, who started the first alternative only house call practice in the country. You know, she came and she was working on my boy Jim and she was laughing and happy. And she would point at my other dog, Jake, and say, Jake's way too fat. And so she was seeing a holistic view of the pets in my home. And if my vet is saying that Jim the house dog is too skinny i need to feed him more that's a whole different thing if the vet is also able to see right then that jake the shepherd is really fat you know like maybe somebody's just stealing his food you know maybe he's not sick (laughs) you know or vice versa, right? Like if everybody's healthy, but one dog looks, there's something that can happen in the home that can't happen in the clinic. And I think that part of that being the happy, happy, happy vet who's cross-legged on my floor for 40 minutes or 45 minutes, being able to you know really think about my pet and my lifestyle with my pet, I just became... More and more convinced that we were sitting on a secret that, frankly, James Harriet knew a long time ago, right? When we all read Alture, Straight and Small, and Bright and Beautiful, and all those books. And and we had, the house called Vet had become sort of the stepchild of veterinary medicine. And I'm think, looking at it thinking, you know, if, if we bring in some of the hottest new technology that's going to be available, like swabs. That can be connected to a monitor that could tell your vet through your house home Wi Fi or your litter box connected to your vet, letting your vet know that they need to call on a prescription for or whatever. You know, those kinds of technologies leveraged with a house call vet could be the best of all worlds and might actually change the way veterinarians can think about their practices and change the way pet parents. Can expect veterinary medicine to happen, um, and I think that that's in keeping with cat-friendly practices that Jane Brunt at the Catalyst Council has been working on for years. And you know, it's just more of the same. I think for cats, Heal House Call veterinarian was born. I want to, you know, have everything be driven by the fact that if your vet, if your vet isn't happy, how can they deliver the best medicine? And so we have things kind of roll downhill from that, sort of the way we built Pet Finder. And it's been a lot of fun. So we started a while back, baited some things, we've learned some things, we've dismantled them, and change them up. And it's a franchise for veterinarians specifically, because I think practice ownership is something that I don't want to die. I think that the veterinarian who wants to own her own practice has a special kind of personality. And that's a personality that I think is consistent with a certain kind of problem solving. So I don't want to have all veterinarians be either academic or corporate veterinarians. I think that we need full range. So we've created a system that allows them to focus on the art of medicine. While we focus on all the business stuff, and, and that's another thing I'll, I'll say, you know, you have talked a lot about the different kinds of medicine that there are, and over time, the sorts of practice management skills that have been becoming more and more common in veterinary practices have had an overabundance of, you know, and a and trend towards data-driven medicine, which is a good thing. Generally, because of some of the industry influence, it's led to a bit of a decline in the ability for a veterinarian to really practice individualized medicine, so... Data-driven is good as long as it doesn't overwhelm the veterinarian's ability to see the patient. And that, I think, is one of the core things that we're trying to address. And so our veterinarians, you know, there's a lot of yicky stuff about running a veterinary practice, um, the least of which is the, the actual icky things, like right, the business things and the social media. And I don't want to vet who's great at social media. I want to vet who's great at diagnostics. And, right. and the most important thing about your veterinary relationship is for your veterinarian to get their hands on your pet. The longer they can do that, the better. And our experience in the clinic oftentimes not because the veterinarian doesn't want to have hands on the clinic, but just because they're trying to pay their overhead, which has gotten really expensive. You know, we want all these bells and whistles and MRI machines, but you got to pay for those things. And so the answer to that has been less and less time with the veterinarian and the pet. And I think that that's fine in certain circumstances. There's the trend towards specialization, but we can ballast that trend on the other side for a lot healthier pet by getting pets treated in the home as much as possible. So... That's my thing, and I'm super excited about it. We have now uh, about five franchisees, five veterinarians who are brave, braver than brave. <laughs> I tell them, I said, like, this is a franchise, like this is a big deal because you're buying into this and committing to 10 years of doing this with us. And goodness knows, it is a half-baked loaf of bread right now. So, so we have five incredibly brave veterinarians who have signed on the dotted line and said we want to be part of a national change in the way vets and pets interact. And so, can you imagine? I mean, that's I just it makes me want to cry when I think about when I think about how brave they are um, to do this with me. And we, you know, we will not be profitable for a very long time because we're building this business from the ground up. We have not taken on investors because, you know, I want to throw spaghetti at the walls and figure out what sticks. And I don't want anybody breathing down our necks saying, well, that would be nice if that works, but I need to see results next month. You know, that's Again, that's right. not going to happen. And I am incredibly fortunate because I have a business, I have two business partners, one from Aaron O'Leary, who I told you about, he's a veterinarian. And then Sam, Sam St. Haj, who is an old friend of mine from Pet Health, uh, he created shelter care with me. He was brought in actually to go out and deliver shelter to shelters way back when, uh, when we were working on animal shelter problems. And we, and I'm incredibly lucky. I've got two partners who have agreed that, you know, we're all going to basically not take a salary. We're not going to make any money until we can figure out what we're doing here, which was is probably going to be years. And because of Petfinder's success and because of the just incredible goodwill of the partners that I've gone to and said, hey, I want to do this big thing and it's going to be a really big deal and I want you to provide this for us and I'm not going to pay you anything. <laughs> you know, like... (laughs) But it's important. It's really important. I promise. Um, We've just been really, really lucky. And, you know, I'm getting to do this next thing, which I think could be as important as PetFinder, but in the veterinary field. So
1: I, I agree with you. I think that there is something that needs to shift with regards to our veterinary care practices in our communities. There's definitely a disconnect in there somewhere. You know, I don't think that the high volume spay neuter clinics are covering it. I don't think that the private veterinary practices are covering it. I feel like there is something missing I don't know what that something is. You seem to have a better grasp of it than I do at this point in time, but I just still feel like something is missing out there.
0: Yeah, well, I think that we're, you know, there are always probably a lot of things missing, but one of the things we're trying to address is that, you know, progress for the sake of progress, while it's better than no progress at all, needs to have checks and balances. And sometimes we need to go back to old, old ideas, right? And that's kind of what Heal is, is saying, let's take the best of technology. Let's recognize that from a diagnostic standpoint, the idea that the veterinary is going to be able to diagnose cancer better than a computer is just gone, right? Like we know right. we know that technology is gonna do a better job at a lot of these things. And so what's really important, let's get hands back on the pet.
1: If there are any folks interested, any veterinarian or veterinary students out there that are interested in finding out more about heal, is there a website that they could go to?
0: Yeah, they can go to healhousecall.com or they can email me at Betsy at HealhouseCall.com. And I, I will say that if you know somebody that is not happy in the veterinary field and they're really cool people, because you know obviously obviously, I just want to work with really cool people. (laughs) But but if you do know somebody that is unhappy in the field, and this sounds like it might work, we we're actually for the right people are offering, you know, if people join, we have a $1,000 referral fee, that is not a small thing either. But you know, like most of the veterinarians that we know, know someone who doesn't belong in sort of the corporate clinic setting. Mm -hmm. And those are the folks that, that I want to help not because that's the right way to be but because I believe that that's the element of veterinary medicine that we don't want to lose if that makes sense
1: right no I agree you know that you're repersonalizing it but not in such a way that the veterinarian feels like they're losing their practice basically so it's it's another, it's a franchise model. It's a different franchise model than what you might see from some of the other more stationary players. And at the end of the day, it results in better care for everybody.
0: Yeah. And they get to own their own business. That means that when they decide to move away or have kids or whatever it is they want to do and they take a break, they could sell their practice. Right. That is not available to the preponderance of vets who are associates right now. I think that building equity in yourself is an important part of being happy and feeling safe and secure. And again, those are the things we need in order to be creative.
1: Before we close out, Betsy, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today?
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> today. (laughs) Well, I guess I'll just add that my world is companion animals and owned animals. And I think that the areas where, you know, if we really want to be brave and make an impact, probably what we'd be thinking about are the things that many of your listeners think about, like community cats, or, you know, my special love, um, farm animals and agriculture, because Nick Gilman, a friend of mine, longtime animal welfareian, he, you know, chastises people and says, how dare you call, call yourself animal welfare, if you aren't addressing farm animal issues and large scale agriculture. And I think that, you know, there's something to that, you know, how dare you call yourself a, a cat lover, if you aren't aware of what's going on with some of the cat communities. And I think that obviously, that's harsh, you know, like we all just are trying to do our part, right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. but, but what keeps me what keeps me up at night, or, or, you know, those times in the middle of the night, when your brain is looking for something to worry about, or something to feel inadequate about, um, certainly an awareness, I've spent a better part of my my career and and continue to spend the better part of my career doing things that I think are really valuable and things certainly that are very high impact, but really, really where the difference needs to be made. I feel like we do need to be paying more attention to whether or not we're eating meat or doing any kind of sustainable ethical agriculture, you know, whether or not we're protecting the ecosystems in which animals need to thrive, you know, or providing ecosystems for them to thrive in. Those are the things. And I think the cat stuff, the community cat stuff, the feral cat issues are amongst that, you know, that's been ignored for too long. And even now, now, you know, at HSUS and ASPCA and Maddie's, you know, there's a lot of interest in cats than ever. And so finally, those of us that have been saying the community cats need more attention are, I think, can be gratified by the movement that has taken place and the work that you're doing. But gosh, you know, we're scratching the surface, right?
1: Right. A lot that still needs to be done. Change is happening. It's happening quickly. But for, for those of us that like to have things done yesterday, it's always never fast enough. So yeah. Uh
0: yeah or or maybe for those of us that can never do enough right
1: (laughs) exactly the other side the other side of it Betsy I want to thank you so much for chatting with me today and agreeing to be a guest on my show and it is clearly clearly obvious the two of us we could have a multiple hour long conversation and you just are a wealth of knowledge wealth of information a visionary I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and I hope that down the road maybe we'll have you on again in the future that'd be fun